point in scripture will be taken from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 through 21. Again, that's 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 through 21. And it reads, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, for you aimless for your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're glad that you're here. If you're visiting... We appreciate so much you coming our way today. We encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're thankful for a beautiful day. Even though it's raining on the outside, it's a beautiful day on the inside. And I know that we need the rain and we're glad for it. We're going to be looking today at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, the passage that was read a moment ago. And we're going to be thinking about the Lamb of God, the song that we sang a moment ago reminds us of God's precious lamb that was given for our sins. In looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, we want to spend some time and talk for a moment or two about God's lamb, the lamb that was slain for us. I want to begin our study today by first of all talking about God's plan in redeeming us. What we need to understand is that God had a plan in place before the world began to redeem us. And so we begin by thinking about this plan that God envisioned. Listen, if you would, to what Peter said in verse 20. Peter talks about how God foreordained before the foundation of the world. That is, he foreordained to redeem us by the precious blood of Christ. Now there are a lot of folks that might ask the question, why would God have a plan in place before he created man? You remember in Revelation chapter 13 verse 8, John talked about the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God, in his infinite wisdom, recognized that in creating man and giving him the ability to make choices in life would ultimately make the wrong choice. That is, that, that man would ultimately sin. If you go back and look at Genesis chapter 2, you'll find that God, having created Adam and Eve, had instructed them in the long ago. They were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And the Bible tells us in chapter 3 that they ate of that forbidden tree. As a result of that, sin made its entrance into the world and death and suffering. And there has been a proliferation of suffering ever since. Paul would write in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 that through one man sin entered into the world. 
and death by sin, for that all have sinned. And so in God's infinite wisdom, the Bible tells us that he had this plan in place to redeem us. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 1 that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So, God envisioned this great plan. But not only did he envision this plan, but the Bible tells us that he executed this plan. Executed it to perfection, I might add. First, there was the announcement in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, following the transgression of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The Bible tells us that there was an announcement made about the promised seed, that is, the coming of the Christ, the Son of God. And God began unfolding or unveiling His redemptive plan, beginning in chapter 3, verse 15, and going forward. In chapter 12, verse 3, God told Abraham, He called Abraham. Abraham would be the father of the Hebrew nation. And He said, In you shall all families of the earth be blessed. That promise was fulfilled in Jesus. Because Paul would say in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, that if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so God began unveiling this plan. But then there was the accomplishment of this plan. Paul would say in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Do you remember when Jesus was upon earth? Jesus would talk about how he came to fulfill the will of God, John 6. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of my Father which is in heaven. In John chapter 17, in verse 4, as he stood in the shadow of the cross, Jesus would say or pray to the Father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. While on the cross, Jesus would announce, it is finished. Jesus accomplished God's eternal will. So we talk about this plan that was in place, and I would point out that God had you in mind when He foreordained this plan to redeem the human family because all of us are a part of the human family. But then there is God's payment in redeeming us. What about God's payment in redeeming us? Well, listen to what Peter says, beginning in verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Let me ask this question. What did it cost God to redeem you? Did you know that the cost to God was His Son. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 at verse 32 that God spared not His own Son but freely gave Him up for us all. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that God willingly and sacrificially gave His Son for me. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 53 and Chapter 53 is a picture of the coming of the suffering servant, Jesus, the Messiah. He said, you shall make 
his soul an offering for sin. Think about that. God used Jesus as a sacrifice for the sins of the human family. Doesn't that say something about the love that God has for us? We talk about declarations of the love of God. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God in heaven loves each and every one of us. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, God is love. John would say in 1 John chapter 4 verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. And so there are an abundance of scriptures that talk about the love of God. Jeremiah would talk about how God has loved us with an everlasting love. But then what about the demonstration of his love? People say talk is cheap. God not only verbalized his love for us, but he demonstrated that love for us. How did he do that? By the sending of Jesus. Paul said in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God commendeth his own love toward us or manifested his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus suffered, bled, and died for us. So the cost to God was his son. But what about the cost to God's Son. Listen again to what Peter said. He said, We were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but rather with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Really, this takes us back to Exodus chapter 12. God's people had been in Egyptian bondage. Moses and Pharaoh had stood before or rather Moses and Aaron had stood before Pharaoh and asked on behalf of God for the release of the Israelite people. Pharaoh would not let them go. And so in chapter 12, there was the institution of the Passover. God instructed the children of Israel to take a lamb without blemish. That lamb would be slain. That's the picture here. Jesus is that sinless lamb, that perfect sacrifice for our sins. Imagine if you can, Jesus willingly, humbly, submissively dying for you and me. He paid the ultimate price for my sins. To know that Jesus was willing to go to the cross for me, a sinner. The Bible tells us that sin is a reality in the world. Paul would say, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. He would also say, there's none righteous, no, not one. And so, the answer to sin, Jesus. So what about this cost to God's Son? First of all, the Bible tells us He redeemed us by His blood, the precious blood of Christ, divine blood. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, that it's in Christ that we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, John said unto Him who loved us and washed us from our sins by His own blood. Think about Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate, enduring the mockery of a trial, and then being led away to Golgotha, to Calvary's hill, 
The Bible tells us when they came to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the thieves, one on the right hand and the other on the left, they put the Son of God to death. John 19 verse 34 tells us that one of the soldiers thrust a spear into the side of Jesus and blood came forth. Jesus shed his precious blood for my sins. So he has redeemed us by his blood. He has reconciled us in his body. So we ask the question, what did it cost Jesus? Number one, his blood. Number two, his body. Paul said in Ephesians 2.16 that Jesus reconciled both Jew and Gentile in one body under God through the cross. How then do I obtain the blessings of salvation? How do I enjoy the riches of the blood of Jesus? Well, if I want to be a recipient of the blood of Christ, I have to go where it was shed. Where did Jesus shed his blood? In death, John 19, 34 and 35. How then do I appropriate the blood shed on Calvary 2,000 years ago? Paul said, know you not that all we who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. When we are baptized into Jesus, we contact the blood of Christ. Furthermore, we are placed in the body of Christ. Well, somebody asked the question, why do we need to be in Christ? Because salvation is in Christ. 2 Timothy 2.10, we have to be in the body of Christ because Christ is the Savior of the body. Ephesians 5 verse 23. So, what about God's payment in redeeming us? It cost him, cost him greatly. It cost not only God, but it cost God. It cost God his son and it cost the son of God. There is a third thing I want you to see in our study. And that is God's purpose in redeeming us. Why did God redeem us? I think there are a number of reasons, one of which is because he loved us. Because he loved us enough to send his son to die for us. But first of all, the Bible tells us that through Jesus, we have been delivered from an empty life, a vain or aimless life. Listen to what, listen if you would to what Peter said in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received, received by tradition from your fathers. There are a lot of people in our world today, if you were to ask them, what is your purpose in life, what would they say? Most people would probably say, I have no idea. There are a lot of people, they have no idea what their aim, their purpose is for existence. And there are a lot of folks in our world today, quite frankly, they're living an empty life. There's nothing to them. Now, a lot of folks think that they can satisfy that, that vacuum, that void with things and money, and etc. But here's what Jesus said. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The bottom line is things, stuff, really don't satisfy. Oh, they do temporarily. Do you remember in the book of Ecclesiastes when Solomon talked about his quest in trying to determine what life is all about? And over and over again, he talked about how the things that he accumulated, the things that he examined, that really and truly they were just vanity, they were, they were empty, 
Well, in chapter 12, Solomon said, here's the conclusion of my study. My study has led me to the conclusion that life is about one thing, fearing God and keeping His commandments. Living for God. There are a lot of people in our world today, their lives are broken. They're burdened. They're living in guilt. They have no happiness. They have no contentment. They have no peace, no satisfaction. And yet all of that is available where? In Christ. You see, there are a lot of people that are living empty lives. And the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ can fill that vacuum. He can fill that void. And so first there is the deliverance from an empty life. And then secondly, he says, we are destined for eternal life. Drop down and look at verse 20. Speaking of Jesus, he said, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. What is it that gives us hope for the future? Think about that. What's the basis of the hope of those of us who live on planet earth today? What's the basis of the hope that we have in Christ? It's the resurrection of Jesus, isn't it? Did you know that Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead? Did you know that Without the resurrection, Christianity would be a meaningless religion. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul goes to great lengths to set forth in clarity the fact that Jesus was indeed resurrected from the grave. He said, if Christ hasn't been raised, he said, our preaching is vain, our faith is vain. He said, we're still in sin. But God did raise Jesus from the dead. And so on that basis... We have every assurance that one day we too will be raised from the dead and live with the Lord forevermore. As a matter of fact, drop back and look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Listen to what Peter said in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. We live in hope, don't we? Paul said, we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. Peter said, we have a living hope. What's the basis of that living hope? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, every child of God, every one of us who has been redeemed by the blood of Christ, reconciled in the body of Christ, we have an inheritance. It's better than money, better than houses, better than land better than automobiles. It's better than anything this world has to offer. He said it's incorruptible. It's undefiled. He said it does not fade away. Now listen to him. He said it's reserved in heaven for you. Do we believe that Jesus died and rose again? Yes, we do. And on that basis, we have hope. It's not some pie-in-the-sky hope. It's not some fantasy-type hope, but rather this is real hope genuine hope and every one of us as members of the body of Christ we have that kind of hope when we stand at the side of an open grave we understand that 
Death isn't the end. But there is life. And so in that great promise, we take comfort. I want to ask you today, what does the Lamb of God mean to you? What does God's Lamb mean to you individually? I think about God sending His Son to redeem us. And the fact that God did not withhold anything in this process of redemption. Most of us as parents, some of you grandparents, some great-grandparents, you think about how much you love your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Let me tell you what. We wouldn't take anything for them, would we? And I doubt any of us would be willing to sacrifice our child for the life of another person. Why? Because we love that child too much. We might love that other person. We might think a lot about that other person, but that other person and the value of their life doesn't outweigh the value of our child's life. What God was saying when he sent Jesus was, your life means something. God has placed a premium on your head. You can't define it monetarily. You can't buy it with silver and gold. God has placed on your head the highest value, His Son's blood. So maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. And you understand that Jesus died for you. I would encourage you to think deeply about your condition. I want you to understand that you can leave here today with hope. You can leave here today redeemed, saved, cleansed, a part of his body. What do you need to do? Do what they did on Pentecost Day. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. You know, the Bible tells us that if we do that, God will add us to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. And the assurance is that if we live a faithful life in Christ, that one day God will bestow on us that crown of life. Maybe you're here today and you're not faithful to his cause. I want to encourage you to come back to Christ. You know, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Don't let Christ's death on Calvary be in vain when it comes to your life. Come home as we stand and sing.